former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was honored at a reception with Taiwan's president on Thursday. President Tsai Ing-wen awarded him with the Order of Brilliant Star with special grand cordon to, its, his honor, uh, to honor his contributions to Taiwan-U.S. ties. Tsai said that Pompeo was a popular figure to Taiwan and she invited him to visit often in the future. Pompeo said he looked forward to interacting with locals over the next few days. Secretary Pompeo is not only a long-term supporter of Taiwan's international participation, he has also facilitated multiple breakthroughs in Taiwan-U.S. relations. During his term, restrictions on contact between U.S. and Taiwan government officials were lifted, arms sales were normalized, and mutual visits by higher-level U.S. and Taiwanese officials were made possible. These measures all helped deepen bilateral interaction and cooperation. It is not provocative to say that one demands freedom. Indeed, to walk away from these things demonstrate the absence of resolve and that those who desire to destroy freedom, to change human lives, will see quiet or the absence of direct language, recognition of the basic realities of the human condition as their opportunity. President Tsai, I am confident you will not permit that to happen on your watch. I, I can assure you that the American people stand with you in that very effort. During the reception, Pompeo wore a face mask featuring the flags of Taiwan and the U.S. and the Chinese characters for the word rock solid. After his meeting with the president, he met Taiwan's foreign minister and premier. Premier Su Zhenchang thanked him for speaking up for Taiwan and for lifting restrictions on Taiwan-U.S. exchanges. Meanwhile, Tainan Mayor Huang Weizhe sent a box of dried pineapples to Taipei for the delegation to take home after their stay. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has sparked fresh declarations of support for Taiwan. On Tuesday, a State Department official said the U.S. commitment to Taiwan was rock-solid and that it would continue to provide security assistance. Over in Japan, Prime Minister Kishida Fumio reiterated the importance of peace in the Taiwan Strait. Russia's invasion of Ukraine rattled the world and renewed attention and tensions in the Taiwan Strait. During a budget review session, Japan's Prime Minister was asked about the impact of Ukraine's crisis on the Taiwan issue. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has warned that if we don't help Ukraine counter Russia's military actions and protect an independent country, there will be repercussions that severely impact the situation in Taiwan. The Asia-Pacific region, and the East Asia region in particular, must not allow the use of force to change the status quo. Japan has always hoped for a peaceful resolution of the Taiwan issue. We will continue to monitor the situation as it develops. Over at a House committee hearing in Washington, officials repeatedly turned to the tensions between China and Taiwan. And I agree that we uh, need to make it absolutely clear that our support for Taiwan is rock solid. We have provided $18 billion to them uh, in security assistance, and we are going to continue to do that. The State Department stressed that both China and Russia sought regional and global expansion. Officials said that amid Russia's invasion of Ukraine and China's campaigns against Taiwan, the U.S. would continue to support Ukraine while keeping an eye on Beijing.
Taiwan is a perfect example, as you note. We are cooperating very closely in line with the Taiwan Relations Act to help Taiwan build its military with defensive capabilities, and in particular to do so with the asymmetric capabilities they need to counter what is unfortunately an ever-growing threat. The conflict in Ukraine has set off another wave of support for Taiwan in the U.S. and Japan, with officials warning China not to escalate tensions. Civic groups are asking Taiwan simplify the path to residency for Hong Kongers. Currently, most Hong Kongers in Taiwan must matriculate as students in order to obtain residency. At a protest on Thursday, activists said the government was legally bound to help politically prosecuted Hong Kongers. They requested residency rights for Hong Kongers with the ID code HF177, which indicates that they are endangered due to political factors. Activists urge Taiwan to implement Article 18 of its law on Hong Kong and Macau affairs. They are seeking residency rights for Hong Kongers who fled their city. Under the laws and regulations regarding Hong Kong and Macau affairs, if you don't study in Taiwan, you can't obtain residency here. Back in Hong Kong, I had already had a job for several years. But right now, the policy in Taiwan states that if you choose to work, you have no way of becoming a resident. So I had to become a student. Obtaining a Taiwanese ID is not easy at all. It's very hard, really difficult. The Hong Kongers says it's hard to get residency in Taiwan and that candidates have to matriculate as students. Activists ask Taiwan to make good on Article 18 of its Hong Kong and Macau law, which states that help shall be given to Hong Kong and Macau citizens who are endangered for political reasons. Such people who fall under the ID category HF177 should be granted residency, they said. In the spirit of humanitarianism and to the letter of current legislation, we are dealing with these issues appropriately. The issues include their wish to obtain residency rights. The government is studying the relevant existing mechanisms with regard to that issue. Last week, Golden Horse-winning documentary Revolution of Our Times hit theaters in Taiwan, once again drawing attention to the plight of Hong Kong. In the wake of its debut, calls have resurfaced for Taiwan to step up for Hong Kongers in need of refuge. And in Hong Kong, it is buckling under a massive COVID wave, which has led to more than 250,000 infections and hundreds of deaths in two months. On Thursday, Taiwan's top epidemic authority described the situation as surprising and said that Taiwan must stay alert to avoid the same fate. Let's hear from him. This comes as something of a surprise to us and perhaps even as a shock. If we are not vigilant or if we are negligent, it would certainly be possible for such a large outbreak to strike Taiwan. In Hong Kong and South Korea, the situations are such that authorities will be able to lift lockdown restrictions very quickly, because most of the population has already been infected. But we want to avoid this sort of abruptness. We hope to stretch out the time period to ease our restrictions more slowly. The CECC reported five local cases on Thursday, one in New Taipei, two in Taoyuan, and two in Zhanghua. The Zhanghua cases are the first in 193 days, and they are connected to a preschool cluster that originated in Taoyuan. For days now, Taiwan has had only sporadic cases, nearly all of which were detected in isolation. 
A new COVID PCR test machine makes testing easier than before. The gadget weighs just 600 grams and can produce test results within an hour. It claims accuracy of almost 96 percent. The device developed at ITRI, or the Industrial Technology Research Institute, will soon be exported to Japan. ITRI hopes it can also bring its PCR prowess to Southeast Asia and Europe. A reagent is put into a machine. At a click of a button, the PCR test gets going, and in 30 minutes the results are out. This is the tiny new COVID test kit produced by ITRI with the manufacturing partner. Japanese buyers have already placed an order. At the bottom, we have it at 95 degrees and on top at 50 degrees. So we have this convection current like boiling water making it move very fast so we can finish it in a short space of time. The PCR machines used in hospitals weigh as much as 20 kilograms each. But this new ITRI gadget is much more convenient. Old PCR tests needed at least four hours, but the IPMX pull-top package only takes one hour. At 600 grams, it's very portable, highly sensitive, can handle swabs from the nose or mouth, detect COVID even in the early stages of infection, and claims a 95.8 accuracy rate. We did some sample tests of the pull-top can test in Japan and found its results were exactly the same as in clinical trials. There was no difference. They were identical. That means our technology has definitely reached international standards. The new gadget has already won its first order from overseas. As the pandemic continues to spread and mutate, ITRI will launch a machine that can test for the flu and COVID simultaneously. The research institute has its sights on the European and Southeast Asian markets. More than 5 million households across the country lost power after a malfunction at a Kaohsiung power plant Thursday morning. The accident knocked out a third of the power grid or more than 10.5 million kilowatts of electricity. Over the course of the day, rolling blackouts hit every city, county and special municipality on Taiwan's proper. The outage is being called the nation's worst blackout on record. Power is expected to be fully restored Thursday evening. With regard to this major power outage, we want to express our apologies to everyone for creating inconvenience, particularly in southern Taiwan. We extend our deepest apologies. The economics chief apologized repeatedly for the outage. Following reports of blackouts across the nation, she'd headed to Thai Power to deal with the emergency. At 9.07 a.m., a loud boom was heard at Kaohsiung Xingda power plant. It was followed by blackouts around the island. The details of the accident still need to be verified by Thai Power. The sudden loss of more than 10 million kilowatts of power triggered rolling blackouts. The grid went down in many areas as the system worked to keep the frequency of the power supply constant. The blackout affected every city, county and special municipality on Taiwan proper. In Kaohsiung, where Xingda power plant is located, 1.862 million households were left without electricity. It takes time to activate other power sources. Our hydroelectric plants are already generating electricity. Our coal, natural gas and nuclear power plants will continue to generate electricity. Thai Power activated all its hydroelectric plants along the Dajia River, which added 4 million kilowatts of electricity to the grid. 
other generators were brought online to make up the power shortfall. The accident had knocked out 30% of the power supply in what's been called Taiwan's worst blackout on record. Thai Power says it will provide clarification on the cause and a compensation plan at a later date. Taiwan's top research institute has filed a police report against false ad. In a press conference, ITRI said it has, fi- it has gotten a flood of consumers' calls about two medical devices that were being advertised under its name. ITRI said it had no connection to the two devices and no connection to the manufacturers who put up the ads. It's taking legal action to prevent damage to its brand and to protect consumers. The Industrial Technology Research Institute and its legal team held a press conference Thursday to denounce cases of false advertising. It denied partnering with the companies in the ads to produce a glucose monitor or eye care device. It said the two companies stole photos from eTree's website, pasting them on their own websites to associate themselves with eTree and mislead consumers. The greater eTree's reputation, the greater its international influence. Over the years, such cases of false advertising have only increased in number. Four or five years ago, there were only about 10 cases each year. But there have already been 20 to 30 cases since last year. False ads have doubled and their products have become more diverse. False ads have also become harder to curb. In the two cases announced Thursday, the false advertisers used IPs in the U.S. and China to make themselves harder to trace. Although eTree posted an online statement last year to deny all connection with the two medical devices, its phones are still ringing off the hook with consumer inquiries. Now it's decided to take legal action. We took legal action in the U.S. and China at the same time. We hope to find these manufacturers and protect our domestic consumers. Our first step was to go to the second special police court, which handles international counterfeit cases. We have already filed a report. Eatree said it was turning to the law to protect its rights and interests as well as those of consumers. One attorney has a request for consumers who suspect fraudulent brand use reported to police at the 165 anti-fraud hotline or directly call the brand being impersonated. Advertisements like these usually resort to drawing connections with authoritative organizations such as the Industrial Technology Research Institute or other official research organizations or local governments. I think that what can be done is to call up the affected organization to verify the ad. The Internet age has brought great convenience, but also a greater exposure to fraud. Experts warn online shoppers to verify what they see to avoid falling victim to scams. In sports news, Taiwan's Li Zhikai has jumped to the top of the world rankings in the pommel horse. In the latest International Gymnastics Federation rankings, Li stood at number one with 90 ranking points. Li, who stubbed the Prince of Pommel Horse, won a silver medal for Taiwan at the Tokyo Olympics. Li and his coach both shared the news on social media. His coach praised the gymnastic for making it on the top. He also encouraged other young athletes to keep on pursuing their dreams. Let's head now to the home of the Ukrainian in Taiwan. His horror at the outbreak of war has spurred him to take action. Ivan Iharov has lived happily in Taiwan for 24 years, working as an artist. Now the Russian invasion has moved him to bring out his Ukrainian landscapes. He's picking up his paintbrushes to depict the vistas of Ukraine that still live vivid in his memory, and he hopes to raise funds to support his countrymen back home. 
Slovakia, Czech. It's beautiful place. Piaulian Kocha. The artist points out landmarks of Kyiv in his paintings. All represent beautiful memories. Yohorov has made a life in Taiwan, but he keeps painting his beloved Ukraine. It's very terrible, you know. It's very bad. Bomb, bomb, bomb. For this beautiful peace city. There's a Piaulian, Kocha, and and bad. Yohorov's anguish is plain to see. Since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began, he has been glued to Ukrainian news online every day, trying to understand what is happening. His only solace is that his close friends have all managed to escape large cities to shelter in the countryside. I will pray and uh, for Jesus Christ for help, for peace and love for my country, Ukraine. And uh, yes, so good life. Yohorov may be settled in Taiwan, but part of his heart will always be in Ukraine. He can't take up arms to defend his country, but he can take up his paintbrush to pay homage to its virtues. Through his work, he can share the charms of his homeland with Taiwan. An exhibition is planned to raise funds for the rebuilding of Ukraine once peace returns. Now, do you care about the watermark on your banknotes? Every year, the central bank auctions newly minted notes with auspicious serial numbers, such as a row of three six or three eights. Such numbers have been seen as lucky in Chinese numerology for thousands of years. But recently, collectors were astonished by a banknote for sale on Facebook. Its serial number was incredible enough, but the sum offered up by one king buyer was even more jaw-dropping. This 100 NT note appeared for sale on a Facebook group, attracting a storm of attention. Look closely and you spot six eights in the watermark on the top left-hand corner. Astonishingly lucky. One buyer offered to hand over 360,000 NT for the note. I don't think it's worth that. It's only 100 NT after all. If you buy it for 360,000 NT, then when you've bought it, you have to consider who's going to buy it off you for 400,000 NT. To be honest, I can't understand that at all. 360,000 NT is just so much more than the face value of the note. The people we spoke to found the offer unbelievable. We couldn't verify whether the sale had actually taken place. But we asked the Stamp Collecting Association expert, Ada, exactly how much a note with a special number could generally fetch. That price is a bit on the high side, too high. Normally, it wouldn't be that high. Its market value is probably somewhere between 5,000 and 50,000 NT. This expert laughed at the offer of 360,000 NT, which he says is rather overblown. But collectors are a law unto themselves when it comes to valuations. Ada showed us some popular types of special notes and analyzed their market potential. Notes for the centenary of the founding of the Republic of China are all worth more. There are still people collecting these. If this serial number was all the same digit, it could sell for 10,000 NT or more. Another popular collectible is a set of historical notes from the now-defunct Datan district. This complete set features notes for one-tenth of a dollar, half a dollar, one dollar, and ten dollars. Collectors will pay up to 1.5 million NT for such a set. Banknotes issued in the 70th and 65th years of the Republic of China are also highly sought after. Taipei Literature Festival is an annual showcase of exhibitions, tours, lectures, performances, and movie screenings. 
This year's festival will be held from March 5th to June 9th. Amid the pandemic, the festival will be held in person and online. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a preview. Taiwanese-renowned calligrapher and poet Xu Huizhi uses a rice straw to write the theme of this year's Taipei Literature Festival. He has an important message to share. Due to the pandemic, our lives have been greatly restricted. But at such a time, is it possible to engage with other paths to create new forms of freedom? For example, today I wrote the phrase, transform the day. When we use new materials, do they open up new possibilities? Under the pull of the pandemic, are there new possibilities for achieving, for playing, and for adjusting our hearts? The 2022 Taipei Literature Festival will be held from March 5th to June 9th. The festival will feature literary exhibitions, tours, performances, movie screenings, and lectures. 30 writers are scheduled to give lectures. Because of the pandemic, everyone is looking for ways to let off negative emotions in daily life. So when planning this festival, we approach the process from the angles of literature, music and drama. We hope that this literature festival can inspire people and encourage them to cherish the life they have. One highlight of the festival is that we invited Chan Kun Chung, a well-known writer in Hong Kong. Everyone should be very familiar with him. He's contributed not only to literature, but to cinema as well. Another highlight will be movie screenings at Spot Taipei Film House from May 27th till June 9th. Their screenings will focus on French writer Marcel Proust and Greek filmmaker Theo Angelopoulos. Through sharing their films and literary films, we want people to better appreciate the importance of time in everyday life. Even as the epidemic still affects us and we're still stuck at home, we can still use the springboard of literature to relive the small blessings or wonderful moments of life. This year's festival will be conducted in person and online. Organizers aim to provide an opportunity to appreciate literature and explore new possibilities, even in a pandemic. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Chen Shenhan in Taipei.